We continue this morning in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning in verse 45. I endeavored this week to take a break from Mark and to write a special Mother's Day sermon. And uh, I fought with the Holy Spirit till about Tuesday around 8 o'clock and I gave up because it just wasn't working. And I kept hearing the Lord say, what's wrong with Mark 6? Moms are, moms are in the middle of a storm, and the disciples are out on the sea in the middle of a storm, so preach to moms and everybody else. So that's what we're going to do this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45. Would you do me a favor and stand for the reading of God's Word? Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 45. If you are able, if you're not, then just sit there with your Bible and join us in reading, beginning in chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida, while he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea and intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. Verse 53, when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. When they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran about that whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it, we're cured. You may be seated. <clears throat> God in heaven, this morning, we pray uh, that you would prick our hearts, that you would remind us that you are God, and that if God be for us, who, be, who could be against us? God in the in the stormy sea, as the winds rage about mothers and fathers and children and Christians and disciples here and around the world, we pray, God, that you would remind us to lift up our eyes and to fix our gaze upon Jesus, who tramples over the waves and rescues his people from the storm. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've titled this morning's message, The I Am in the Middle of the Storm, The One Every Mom and the Rest of Us Needs. The I am in the middle of the storm, the one every mom and the rest of us needs. I, I believe this morning that we need the I am in the middle of the storm. James Edwards gives this section of verses that title. And as the husband to a beautiful bride and a wonderful mom, I can tell you that there are days that Stacy and I'm sure mother, many other moms, some of you probably this morning, feel like you are in the middle of of a storm. Some of you are now grandparents and you're watching your daughters 
feel like they are in the middle of a storm, and occasionally you drop in and you bail them out. Of course, you get to give them back, right? So you get the storm for a little while, and then you just give them back, and then they're still in the middle of a storm. They're trying to walk on water. Of course, many people today reject this story because Jesus walks on water, and people don't walk on water. And they're right, people don't walk on water, but God walks on water, and Jesus is with us in the storm, and when Jesus is with us in the storm, God Himself is with us in the storm. That's the point of the passage, that Jesus is God in the flesh. In verse 45, we read that Jesus made His disciples get into the boat. In other words, the disciples are where they are because Jesus commanded them to go there. Once again, we see Jesus commanding His disciples to go somewhere, and His disciples end up where? In the middle of a storm. You know, there's this myth out there that if you give your life to Jesus, then you'll have a storm-free life. Have they read the Gospel of Mark? The Gospel of Mark says once you give your life to Jesus, count on being commissioned to go into the middle of some storms. Mother's Day is a day of great joy, and I submit to you also of great storms. Some grieve the loss of their mother. Some think of the child they could never conceive. Some mourn the baby who began but never had the opportunity to breathe. Still more, think of their child who has passed or the child who has strayed and needs a deep encounter with Christ. And then there are moms who are in the middle of mothering right now, intensive mothering. Moms who are in the fight of their lives, trying to look the part. Throw the perfect birthday party for their kids. Be crafty like the millions of other moms on Pinterest. And oh yeah, raise a little champion for Jesus in a world that wants absolutely nothing to do with Him. Moms raising kids must feel a bit like the disciples. You're in the middle of the sea, verse 47, doing exactly what Jesus commanded you to do, verse 45, and you are straining at the oars of life in the fourth watch, which begins at 3 a.m. and ends at... 6 a.m., because the wind is against you, verse 48. Moms, do you feel like the wind of life is against you? The more you try, the further behind you get between the 3 a.m. feedings and work and sleep deprivation and meal planning and preparation and a thousand other pressures. Life can often feel like straining against the wind in the middle of a sea in the middle of the night. The word straining means torment. In this context, it means that the wind was fierce against them. In Revelation, it refers to the pains of childbirth. Later, it refers in Revelation to the terrors of hell. In 2 Peter 2.8, it refers to the torment of a righteous person living among the unrighteous. In other words, a Christian trying to make their way in the world and raise up a child or children to love Jesus. Obeying, obeying Jesus in this world is not always easy. Sometimes it's downright torturous. In John 16.33, Jesus says, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And this passage shows us that we can take courage because of who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh. He is I am. As we strive to live life for Christ in a fallen world, we need to know that Christ is with us and for us in the struggle for obedience. I want you to see four things very briefly this morning from this text. In the middle of the struggle that comes to those who obey God. Obeying God in this world is a struggle. It is not easy. 
It is straining at the oars. We must do four things. First, we must pray as Jesus prayed. Second, we must trust that Jesus sees us even when He seems absent. Thirdly, we must hear His voice and be courageous. And finally, we must trust Him to take us to places where we will witness His healing power. First, we must pray as Jesus prayed. It's an interesting beginning to this passage. Jesus sends His disciples away immediately. Edward says the passage begins with a sense of unmistakable urgency. The crowd's desire to make Jesus a king who would conquer Rome rather than the divine son who would be our ransom on a Roman cross is beginning to impact the thinking of the disciples. The crowd want to just make him a king. Hurry up, Jesus. Go on and be a king now. But Jesus has to get to a cross and the disciples are starting to adopt the mentality of the crowd. And so what does Jesus say? He says, get out of here. And then Jesus does what? He immediately goes up the mountain to pray. You see, when Jesus is confronted with the temptation to abandon God's mission for His life by taking an easier path, He prays. Whether you're a mom raising children or a husband trying to provide for your family and lead them to love Jesus well, there are all sorts of pressures in the world to give up, to throw in the towel, to quit caring to quit striving, to quit parenting. And when that happens, what Jesus shows us is we must pray. You see, in prayer, we commune with God. In prayer, we are reminded of His bigness and our tininess. We are reminded of our identity as new creatures in Christ, given over to His mission, a mission that He's given to us, and He surely will not allow it to fail. In prayer, we resolve that we will not settle for anything less than what God desires from our lives, no matter how difficult, and in Jesus' case, even if it meant He must go to the cross in order to obey. You see, moms know instinctively that there is a battle raging for our kids. You feel it. You feel that every decision counts in the war for faithfulness to Christ in our own lives and in the lives of our children. And the answer that Jesus shows us in the middle of that conflict, in the middle of that tension, in the middle of that straining, in that middle of the desire to just give up and throw in the towel and let the world win and to derail you from the mission of God in your life, what Jesus reminds us of afresh is in those critical moments, what we must do is pray. As Achan writes, prayer for Jesus was intense. It was war. John Piper adds this, Until you believe that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer is for fighting to stay in the mission that God has entrusted to you as bombs and dads and as disciples of Christ the King who is taking the Gospel to the uttermost until He comes. Secondly, we must trust that Jesus sees us even when He seems absent. Isn't that an assuring truth this morning, church? I know y'all are super righteous, holy people, and Jesus never seems absent in your life, but I've felt that way at times, and the promise of the Scripture is that Jesus sees us even when he seems absent. As Edward, uh, Edwards writes, whenever the disciples are separated from Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, they fall into distress. We're so quick to do the same, are we not? 
Does Jesus understand the struggle that I'm in right now? Does He know what's going on at work? Does He know what's going on in my home? Does He know what's going on with my kid? Does He care? Can He see the struggle? And the first miracle in this passage is not that Jesus walks on the water. It's that He sees His disciples even though He's still on the land and the boat is in the middle of the sea. Jesus is alone with His Father on the land. The disciples are miles away in the middle of a stormy lake. But somehow, miraculously, Jesus sees them. Verse 48. And He doesn't just see them. He sees them doing what? Straining at the oars. He sees their struggle. He sees their straining against all the forces that threaten to overtake them. And Jesus sees all the forces that threaten to overtake you as well. Jesus proves That he does not have to be physically present with his disciples to know the plight of his disciples. And today, he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he sees every struggle, every torment, every pain, and he is with you in the fight. Church, even when Jesus seems absent in your storm, he sees you. Even if he has to walk, as Aiken says, perhaps several hundred miles in pitch black darkness, our Lord makes his way to those that he has called, he loves, and he cares for. He knows where they are and what they are going through. That's the promise of this scripture. And the reason that Jesus comes to us in the storm is to pass us by, verse 48. Now, Daniel, what did, did you just say? That Jesus sees me in the storm and He identifies with my struggle to blow right by me? What in the world does that mean? That's crazy talk. Well, to pass by is technical Old Testament language. It's it's code language from the Old Testament. You see, in Exodus 33, what does God do for Moses? He passes by and gives him a glimpse of His glory. In 1 Kings 19, what does God do for Elijah? He passes by and gives him a physical manifestation of his glory. As Achan writes, God, the God of the Old Testament, who is Christ, wanted to pass by his disciples so that they might see his glory and believe. On the other side of the struggle, on the other side of the storm, on the other side of the fight, there's a God who wants you to see his glory. You see, in the moment that you're tempted to give up on obedience, on the moment you're tempted to give in to the waves and to the wind, when you remain faithful and steadfast, God is on the way and He wants to give you a glimpse of His glory. What is my hope for North Roanoke Baptist Church? Is it always easy being the pastor of North Roanoke? Is it always cushy? Is it always comfortable? No. Is there sometimes conflict and strife and silliness that I have to deal with? Yes. But my conviction and my confidence is that if I'm anchored to Christ the head and I'm obedient to his voice that there's coming a day when people throughout the Roanoke Valley and the people in this church behold the glory of God in a way that they never have and Christ passes us by and says look at that look at the glory of Christ that comes through the obedience in the middle of the storm and for the Christian who is faithfully obeying in the storm I've got some good news for you Jesus sees you and he desires that you would behold his glory Moms, the struggle is real. But so too is Jesus who sees you and delights to be your shield and your portion and your reward. For as Paul said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Even in the middle of the storm, North Roanoke Baptist Church, Jesus sees His disciples and He comes to reward difficult 
costly obedience with a glimpse of His glory. I don't know what attitudes you're getting from your teenager right now or from your college student. I don't know what you're struggling with with your 8-year-old who wants to be an 18-year-old, but I know that if you keep straining at the oars that Jesus sees you in the struggle and He wants to come and pass you by. He wants you to behold His glory. He wants that kid that you're investing in to behold His glory and to be enamored and overcome at the great beauty and power and splendor of Christ our King. Hang in there, church. Keep straining at the oars. Jesus sees you and He wants to pass you by. Thirdly, we must hear His voice and we must be courageous. In verses 49-50, through 50, when the disciples see that Jesus is walking on the water, they think He's a, a ghost or perhaps an evil spirit. This word is very infrequently used in the New Testament. We're actually not entirely sure what the word means, but say they think it's a ghost. Regardless, they're, they're terrified. And they shout out in fear. Verse 49 and 50. But church, Jesus is not a ghost. He's, he's not a myth. He's not a mist. He's not a phantom. He's God-made flesh walking on the water. As Edwards writes, in the Old Testament, only God can walk on water. In Job 9, a chapter about the difference between God and creation. Did you know that God is the only thing in the universe that is infinite? Everything else is not. God is the only uncreated being in the universe. Everything else is created. He's the only uncontingent being in the universe. Everything else is contingent. You are contingent upon the fact that your mom birthed you this morning. If your mom had not had you, you would not be here. We're all contingent upon something or someone or some other, but God is not. He's over it all. That's the point of Job chapter 9. And in Job chapter 9 verse 11, we read these words, God alone stretches out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea. In Job 38.16, God asked Job, Have you entered the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? The answer is no. But here Jesus is trampling over the waves of the sea because Jesus is God. So often, church, we want a visible sign that Jesus is with us, but the disciples get a visible sign, and what does it do? It makes them quake in their boots. The only thing that brings a resolution to their conflict is to hear the voice of Jesus, the voice of God in Christ, and He speaks in verse 50, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Those three little words, it is I, are only two words in the Greek. They are the words, ego, a me, I am. You say, hold on, pastor. Are you saying that Jesus just said, I am? That's exactly what he said. And you know what it means that he said, I am. Because in Exodus 3.14, when Moses says, but God, how will they know it's you that sent me? Because I'm a stutterer. I'm a stammerer. I can't do anything in this storm. God says, you tell them this. My name is I am, and I am has sent you. Jesus is saying right here in, verse, in this verse that, I, that He is the great I Am. When we are walking in obedience to Jesus, and obedience leads us into stormy waters, you may hear all sorts of voices in your head. I, I know that moms hear them. You're not cut out for this. That wasn't the right decision. You acted too soon. You didn't act soon enough. 
And Jesus stands right there in the storm and He says, Take courage. I am. You see, if Jesus is with you, then God is with you. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? Romans 8.31 As Edwards writes, in storms, adversities, and defeat, human self-sufficiency is revealed for what it is. It is human insufficiency. We cannot navigate the waters on our own. We need the King and Lord of the storm to be with us. The storms that really count in life require more than we can contribute. They require God Himself standing before us and with us. It isn't our ability to navigate the choppy waters or manage the situation or be the perfect parents that is our hope, church. It is the One who sees us even when He does not seem to be there. It is the One who tramples over waves like ripples in a puddle. It is the One who is the great I Am standing in the sea with us. He is there walking on the sea of our storm and He says to you this morning, stop being afraid. Whatever it is, stop being afraid. Take courage. I am. The command to take courage and is a command to be bold, to be of good cheer. It's the same command given to Joshua when they take the promised land. It's a command given to warriors. It's a command to those in the middle of a battle. And we can be of good cheer... Because Jesus is not just the Lord who tramples over the waves of the sea, but He is the God, verse 51, who gets in our boat. Did you know Jesus is always there with us in the place of obedience? If you're in the middle of a storm for the sake of the glory of Christ your King in order to obey Him, you can rest assured Christ is there with you and for you. So often the purpose of the storm is that we would know His presence and trust Him more. As Edwards writes, discipleship is more endangered by a lack of faith and hardness of heart than by external dangers. Discipleship is endangered more by a lack of faith and hardness of heart than by the external dangers. In other words, your walk with Christ is more endangered by a lack of faith than any of the noise in your life. Some of you this morning came in with a lot of noise in your life. This is going on. That fire's going on. That person's doing this. That person's not doing this. My child's doing this. My husband's not doing this. I can't do this. This is going on at work. And your life is a bunch of noise. And it feels like the waves of the sea crashing against the boat. And the thing that is more dangerous to your faith than all the stuff that you think is an attack is the lack of faith itself. What you need in the middle of the storm is not for all the waves suddenly to die down. What you need is to hear the voice of the master of the sea stand before you and say, Take courage, I am with you. That is the message of verse 52, by the way. The disciples, their heart was hard. How in the world... Is their heart hard after all they've seen? They've, they've seen what Jesus has done for the crowds. They've seen what He's done for the paralytic. They've seen what He's done for the, with the woman with the flow of blood. They've seen Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. They've seen the 5,000 men and their families fed miraculously. And even they had seen what Jesus had just done for them a few storms ago. But don't you know we're just like the disciples? 
This storm is different. Yeah, I know, Jesus, you were with me in the last storm, and, and I, I was faithful to you, and, and you provided for me, and, and, and you put out the fires, and you calmed the waves, and you brought me safely to the other side of the shore, but, but this storm is different. Are you sure, Jesus, that you got this storm? Maybe, Jesus, you're not really with me in this one. And you see, what happens to us, church, if we're not careful, is the waves of adversity can harden our hearts rather than make us look to the one who is trampling over the waves of the storm. You see, Jesus doesn't just give bread to the crowds. He is our bread. Without Him, we are nothing, storm or not. If Jesus is not in our boat, we don't have any hope. But if Jesus is in our boat, then we are secure. We are okay, no matter what. If Jesus, the bread of life, the great I Am, is with us, and we can be courageous, we can take heart, no matter how high the waves, no matter how strong the wind, no matter how unique this storm is in our life. And then finally, we find that we must trust Jesus to take us places where we will witness His healing power. Verses 52 to 56. Church, Jesus is always at work through courageous faith to lead us to others who need His healing touch. What's on the other side of the storm? They get out of the boat. What do they get to see? They get to see Jesus do what Jesus does. Jesus heals the sick, the tired, the poor, the hungry, the hurting. He heals them from the countryside, from the villages, from the city. Wherever, they, wherever there's hurting people, they get them to Jesus and Jesus heals them. And we find that we can go to Jesus when we are hurting and we can seek Him out when we are in need. Jesus is at work in our storm to lead us to others who need to be touched by Christ. He's not in our, at work in our storm just for our good. He's at work in our storm for the good of others who are on the other side that He wants to bless. But first, this morning, I, I want to ask you to be honest with yourself. Some of you this morning, I, I, I suspect, may have heard the voice of Jesus just a moment ago as you pictured the disciples on the boat hearing Jesus afresh say, Take courage, I am, do not be afraid. Some of you this morning had a very clear sense that Jesus is saying to you this morning, take courage. I am. Stop rowing in your own strength and remember who sees you and is with you in the storm. Stop listening to the noise and start looking to the master of the sea. At the 3 a.m. feeding, take courage. I am. When the water is boiling over and the dirty diaper is too, Take courage, I am. When you struggle to help your resident drama queen have a Christ-honoring perspective, take courage, I am. When you pray that Jesus will overcome your past parenting failures as you now strive to point your children to Christ, take courage, I am. When you're faced with a diagnosis there's nothing you can do about, take courage, I am. Some of you are so weary of fighting the storm in your own strength that you're like the sick in this passage that had to be literally carried to Jesus on their own bed. 
And the promise of God this morning is that the Spirit Himself will carry you back into the presence of Christ. It's time to lay down your oars and look to the Savior. It's time to empty yourself of self and entrust yourself to the never-failing care of the great I Am. Look at what the sick did in verse 56. They begged Jesus. They implored Jesus. All they brought to Jesus was their begging. They begged that they would just have a touch of His cloak. And some may need this morning to come and beg Jesus that you would know in your head excuse me, that you would know rather in your soul what you know to be true in your head. You got all the facts. You got all the scripture. You got all the Sunday school lessons. You got all the Bible. You've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard it. But you need afresh for the Spirit of God to carry you into the healing presence of Jesus for the facts to become the food that Jesus nourishes you with from your heart from the inside out. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself, church. He loves you more than you love yourself. He's more compassionate than you could ever hope. He's more powerful than you could ever imagine. He knows your needs more perfectly than you or I could ever comprehend. He is the bread of life who allowed His body to be broken that your soul might receive the spiritual nourishment it needs. He walked the stormy waters, not just that night with the disciples. He walked through the dark night that led to the cross so that He might rescue us, that we might never again be terrified or afraid. Through the wonderful touch of His bloody redemptive hands, church, we can be forever healed of sin's diseases and made well forever. He walked across the storm waters of judgment in our place. He took our sickness in His own body. And for some this morning who are in the middle of a storm, you need to hear Him say afresh, take heart, understand, I am. For those of you that need to be reminded this morning that Jesus is the I am with you in the middle of the storm. As we stand just a moment and sing, I invite you to pray silently where you are. Some of you may even need the physical representation of coming to an altar and bowing your knee and saying, God... Fill me up to overflowing with the presence of Christ in my life again. I am hungry for the bread of life. Wherever you are, whatever you need, we invite you to respond as God leads. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we ask that we would not fear in the storm of obedience, but God, that we would be resolute, that we would hear Your voice, that we would take courage and fear not, and we would know that though You are seated at the right hand of the Father and we are in a world that is hostile against You, that You see us, You know us, and You are in our boat. Heal us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.